0: i
1: Hello and welcome to From the BLN, the Burnley podcast. Uh, a slightly depleted squad again this week. No Simon Evans. He's in a darkened room, being force-fed Benny and Hot, while being made to watch all <laughs> of JJ Watt's US TV appearances on repeat. Uh, and before you all start writing and going on the message boards, it's just a joke. Don't take offence. You could always do what I do whenever you two come on the radio and just switch off if you don't like it. Uh, And just for the avoidance... (laughs) Us
2: us two. Us two. You two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome, Joe. We love you all. Um, I am joined, however, by Chris Borden, Paul Woodhouse and Justin Connolly. And we're going to be discussing this weekend's uh, fixture against Arsenal. Um, So after last week at Liverpool, guys... Uh, nice to be back at Turf Moor. You don't feel like we've been at Turf Moor very often since the turn of the year, does it? With the the mm. you know ridiculous winter break that we now have and the cut cut weekend and everything else. But um, Chris, positive signs. We were we were quite positive, weren't we, on uh, on Monday's debrief in terms of you know signs of staying in games against big teams, creating chances, and that was pretty much the mood of Vincent Company's press conference again you know, we've got to take chances, haven't we? But Arsenal is an intriguing one, isn't it? Given, you know, given the threats that they pose, but also our style of play against them as well, perhaps.
2: Yeah, I think everyone watched the game against West Ham behind the sofa, didn't they? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, West Ham are in a are in a strange moment, aren't they? I mean, half the fans seem to want uh, Mr Moyes out and half them, uh, you know, want him to stay, being that, uh, you know, he only won... Uh, a paltry European competition last season, but uh, yeah, it's, as you say, it's, you, you can go off the performance at the Emirates, which again was one of those you know, like like it like at Anfield, you know, they, they gave a really good account of themselves at the, to, at the Emirates, fell behind, and you know had, had this you know the strength of character to to fight back and level matters, and Colli O'Sho was causing absolute mayhem around that time and uh, again you know more more a defensive error on our part that that, that lets uh, let's Arsenal retake the lead and then you know they, they, they kill the game off at 3-1 at you know it's uh, you know, pretty, pretty pretty much a, you know a carbon copy of last week at Anfield but, but yeah, no, no doubt Arsenal are one of those sides you know we talk about the big six they're they're, they're one of those two or three I think at the moment who are capable of Winning the title, uh, you know, obviously, obviously Manchester City and, and probably you probably lump Liverpool in in that uh, trio, but uh, there's no reason again why Burnley can't cause them difficulties. Again, they have to be they have to be better in better in the uh, opposition's box and better in defending their own balls.
1: Yeah, just in mm. a real kind of missed opportunity last week at Anfield with the you know the chances that we created, Am and. Um, the two for Fafana and the follow-up from Oldabar. Um yeah. but but again, you know, the back line we talked about on on Monday's podcast, the back line looking and feeling like a you know a proper defensive back line, you know, back four. Um Arsenal, as Chris said, coming to the game on the back of that spanking of West Ham last Sunday. Yeah. I don't expect us to be on the the end of a hiding like that, do you?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, our performances over the last I mean there's been there's been spells haven't there where we've sort of started thinking look this is coming together a little bit now and we it's not going to be long before we start you know beating teams but it, you know the as chris just said it, it every single game you could sort of say the same thing about we 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 perform okay we do well we cause the opposition problems and then we just give away silly goals and when we do get opportunities more often than not we don't we don't stick them in and with the best will in the world in the Premier League against these sorts of sides, you know, sides like Arsenal, who have got, you know, you know, they've got Sacco and Odegaard players like that who can just, they won't, they won't, they won't miss their opportunities. So we've got to tighten that up. We've got to stop giving away silly goals from set pieces. I don't know how we do that. Vincent Company, famously very early on in the season did say it was very easy to stop these sorts of goals going in. But, um, I don't know why we haven't managed to achieve that yet. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe maybe Saturday is, is the time that we do it. Um, you know, but the, the facts, I was really depressed, you know, after the Liverpool game, I was thinking, you know, it, it's just another one of those stories. And I look at the stats and I see we've beaten Arsenal once in 17 games um, in the Premier League. So, yeah, it, not, none, of, none, of, none of it is pointing in the right direction for us but then I listened to you lot on the podcast that I missed out on, the debrief from the Liverpool game, and now you were so positive, I'm absolutely convinced we're going to beat him on Saturday
3: <laughs>
1: Imagine, imagine would you imagine living <laughs> yeah. your life like that Imagine, exactly. imagine obviously, dumb, by me exactly. you on no!
3: recording on a Sunday evening I'm
1: but, I mean, Justin's right. I mean, you know, everything is stacked against us. But I do think, too, the time we beat Liverpool at, at Anfield, first time since X, the time we beat United at Old Trafford, the first, it kind of, past results don't really kind of count for very much, do they? You know, but he's right. We've got to kind of shore up defensively and not keep giving goals away. How do you see it panning out on Saturday? Are you are you sharing um Justin's optimism or have you listened back to our podcast <laughs> and you were talking absolute bollocks?
3: I never listened back to our podcast because <laughs> I know it's bollocks when we, <laughs> we start talking about it. It it is one of those, of course, you know, it's one of those head heart things. But at some point this season we're gonna come we're gonna come across at least one performance where we put everything together. And Mm. it's going to happen at some point. And we could very well be Arsenal's Everton this year when the wheels fall off. Because they are going to fall off. They shot the bolt last week at West Ham, you know, and they're not going to push on no matter what they think they're going to do. They've got it in the back of of their heads that it all went to shit last year and it'll go to shit again this year and it'll start on Saturday.
2: (laughs) I see you, Ribbit. You remember it said it went went per shape. I remember watching the game. Mm. They were at home to Southampton, you know, like last season, and it just Southampton, like I think they led twice by two goals, and just you know got pegged back in the end. But they they, they just, and it it was just complete and utter dominance, but they couldn't like, find a way through them. Yeah. You know, Southampton weren't similar situation. You know, they like a keeper that they'd taken uh, from City who hadn't had a great season in Bazunu, and then a you know defensive uh, structure that kept changing and blah blah blah. You know the. It might be one of those days where we cause them, you know, cause them a bit of a bit of a tricky afternoon. You just, you never know. You never know. It's a shame these. We're talking about these, uh, these one winning wherever. You know, the 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 win over Arsenal we came in front of no no Burnley fans. <laughs> three five, well, we're about three thousand Arsenal fans, and all you could hear was a generator running at the Emirates all <laughs> game. It was, it was bizarre. But it was a shame. I said they won at Anfield and they won at the Emirates, and they almost don't seem to exist. Those results, but. Uh, Hmm. remarkable performances.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and Justin, I mean, we're we're almost in uncharted territory with, with positivity in two consecutive podcasts. <laughs> um, but if we are, you know, if we are going to extend the positivity, the run of games after Saturday, hmm. Palace away, Bournemouth at home, West Ham away, Brentford at home, if hmm. you could just find a performance that brings everything together, there is a bit of momentum that could be built. And I think we've said a couple of times, you know, we've been looking for a run of games that you can, you know, hang your hat on and go, you know what? We've got a chance of winning us home games, drawing us away games, and and getting some decent points on the board in, in some kind of momentum, aren't we? And you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we get a positive result draw or otherwise against Arsenal mm. slot Saturday. And then what what does that give us in terms of a boost going into Palace away. Palace have obviously got their problems. Roy Hodgson, as we're recording this in hospital, having you know been um, taken ill at training on Thursday morning, they're you know looking to appoint a new man by all accounts. So everything's a mess at Palace. Um, Bournemouth at home, a chance to kind of perhaps you know eke out a bit of revenge, given what happened down at uh, mm. down on the South Coast earlier in the season. It does feel like we we just keep waiting for that one spark. And we might have some kind of lift off, don't it?
0: Yeah, it does. I I mean, obviously, we've got to remain positive about the possibility of us staying up until it's, you know, until it's mathematically impossible for us to stay up. I mean, I I feel like quite often on this podcast, I feel like we're treading over old ground saying the same things over and over again because the performances that we see and the results that we see well sometimes i think especially when it comes to the uh the the match briefings i sort of think we could put the same one out every week and nobody would really notice because <laughs> we do it, it, the, but that's because we're seeing the same things isn't it and this thing about oh well once we get over this game we've got a run of winnable games well I remember saying that in the run-up to uh, that bonfire night deadline that we set <laughs> last year when we said, well, we can judge what's going on. After that, we sort of said, well, you know, we'll give it a bit. If we're-, if we're still in touch by Christmas, then there's... And now we're sort of saying, well, you know, we've got... You know, Easter's coming up, but where will we be then, you know? But <laughs> I don't know. I, I, my, the way I'm looking at it is is this. I'm just going to... I'm I'm going to use that age-old football cliche. I'm just taking every game as it comes trying to and trying to enjoy watching um you know some f- fabulously talented footballers on show um from both time both sides and let's just see where that takes us uh it, i think i've said before it would be a phenomenal achievement if we managed to stay up from the position that we're in um I think we're going to talk about about Matt Williams' conversation on uh, on Radio Lancashire the other night a bit later on, but he did say in that in that um, in that conversation that everybody at the club believes they can do it, and I think all the fans have got to believe that as well. And it, and if if we all do, then we give them a chance. If we start if we start, you know, uh, uh, throwing in the towel now. Then we've definitely got no chance, have we? So let's just let just let just enjoy what's left of the season and try and put that sort of negativity behind us and try and, you know, see where it where that sort of positivity can take us. That sounded really really un- unnecessarily positive, didn't
1: it? Yes. It did, didn't it, Woody? I mean, it does it does appear that the best thing for you know, our positivity is to lock Simon in a room. He's the one that brings
0: everybody down. (laughs) I'm
3: I'm,
1: I'm thinking we launch a coup and just, just (laughs) get rid of him and get, get, uh, get JJ Watt to launch him or whatever. But uh, I mean, Justin's right. Anybody. I mean, you know, if you've not got positivity, what have you got? We know we're fighting a losing battle. We know we're probably going to run out of games, but that doesn't mean to say that actually we can't be building towards next season by really starting to nail down a starting eleven that's going to be here, that's going to want to play together, that's going to hopefully, if we do go down, bring us the same way as Southampton and Leicester and leading out. He's hopefully going to be <laughs> bringing us straight back into the Premier League with another year's experience under the belt.
3: Exactly. Wherever we are next year, we are building towards it. Whether it's you know Premier League survival, dependent on how many points people get docked etc and how we perform versus mm. the championship you know there's still next next year to be looking forward to and working towards and it just seems I, I don't see i haven't seen anything over the past few weeks from the players or the management that would indicate that their uh, kind of motivation is on the slide by any stretch Mm. so if they still feel it's doable and they're still up for it and they still believe in the process and I don't see why we shouldn't and that we shouldn't back him it's the least we can do Mm.
1: Definitely and Chris I mean you've been you've been in enough press conferences you've seen enough managers and managers do go on this cycle don't they where they repeat the same old stuff every week you've got to take your chances they've got players who can hurt as market leaders all of this stuff we've heard (laughs) from every manager that you've covered Burnley under and we've all seen uh, Burnley perform under, but it is right. Isn't it? I mean, I know that is kind of you know a rhetoric for the public to try and inspire confidence, but you don't get any impression from Vincent that he's thrown the towel in, that he doesn't think what he's doing is is the right path for the future. And there will be a belief within that squad and within Gorthot that you know what, actually, there is still a chance we could survive this season.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, he's got unshakable belief, isn't he, in the project. Uh, you know, and it, so the most in, most impressive thing, I think, I mean, no matter what level of football, played at, you know, we've all played at you know, different uh, different levels for different clubs, juniors, schools, etc., whatever whatever you've got on to achieve. Uh, losing every week, thoroughly really miserable, soul destroying experience, but there's no evidence. Of that breaking the you know the the players or Vincent's spirit or you know listening to Sander Berger after the game and he was sort of saying you know what we 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 hit onto something today and you know we yeah. that, that level of performance if we carry on doing that you know we, we you know we'll be all right sort of thing and it's it's you know it's heartwarming really to know that they're not broken you know the heads they, they came from a goal down last week Having the better you know yeah you I know, probably had the better of the you know, the first half half an hour or so. And they're not thinking, here we go again. You know, you know it, it's, you know, testament really to, to, to the manager and, uh, you know, the, the spirit is, is fostered in the dressing room. But uh, it's, well, we, yeah, you could talk about the, I mean, it's a different side virtually now, but, you know, the sort of mentality that kept them going to snatch so many late goals last season... It's keeping, you know, it's still alive, but it's keeping them going in, a, in another fashion almost this
1: season. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And um, it is made slightly more difficult, Justin, because we have got one or two, um, you know, we have got one or two injury issues and, and injury worries, of course. And mm. um, he, um, Vincent Company revealed in his press conference pre-match that, Lyle Foster is going to be out for a while because of a, a, an operation. He's had surgery on a, um, he's had a chronic issue. So obviously something that's been troubling the South African for quite a while. Um, mm. That is a bit of a blow, isn't it? But I, I think we said on Monday kind of for Farner, we weren't perhaps expecting very much given, you know, what he'd done at Chelsea and a less than sparkling first half of the season at Union Berlin. But, you know, it kind of shows the importance of, of you know, a bringing him in and B getting him mm. to B pretty quickly, doesn't it? Because Foster, as we've seen a few times when he was out with his his mental health struggles earlier in the season, he was a big miss, weren't he? And we we kind of counted a yeah. couple of games where we felt we might have got something with him in the side.
0: Yeah, I mean. And nothing against J-Rod, who's more than capable understudy, and obviously is 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 still well capable of of uh, contributing to things. I think the I think the lucky man in all this is Anduni, because I think he probably would have been the one to step aside if Foster had still been uh, still been fit. But I mu- I must admit I did think that Foster didn't. He had a poor game against Fulham, and I did, I, I wondered then whether there was something up. Um, so he must, he, he's obviously carrying some sort of, uh, he's been carrying some sort of injury, um, which they've decided to step in and fix now. So it always um, well, strikes me as unfortunate when I, I think he's only 23, isn't he? And he's already developed some sort of chronic com- condition that requires surgery to fix. Okay. It, it's just a, a sign of the sort of stress and the pressure that we physically, we put these players under every week. That they, It's amazing to me that they they do what they can do. Um but yeah, it's 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 so fortunate that we did manage to get that Fofana um, uh, deal over the line. Hopefully, that will mean that we won't miss Foster too much. Um, of, but obviously, you know, he 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 would have been making a contribution had he had he been fully fit. I think um, I think Vincent said it's not quite an a, a season ending situation. So hopefully. You know, we'll see him back on the pitch before the end of the season, and and hopefully we'll be able to make a contribution to that sort of uh, relegation avoidance in the last uh, two or three games. <laughs> we'll need him
1: <laughs> if we're still in touch. The old if we're still in touch with three games to go, would it? Um, he's it right though, isn't he? I mean, it, it's you know it is a bit of a blow, but it, it does offer an opportunity to to Fafana to build on what has been you know a strong kind of you know game and a half. That, that we've seen from the the Chelsea looney over the you know the Fulham and the the Liverpool games
3: oh he's coming in and a, a, a great impact it's just a it's just a shame last week he didn't at least finish one of those chances off i hope that hasn't dented his confidence too much but he's getting is again in and about in the right areas and hopefully with a a, a bit more time under his belt etc you know that rustiness um will turn into more, more goal-scoring opportunities that he'll benefit from.
1: Yeah, and Chris, I mean, Matt Williams. Let's move on to Matt Williams. Matt, um, obviously the CEO at, at Burnley. You know, vastly experienced was. Uh, with the club kind of pre-ALK takeover and he's, he's known as a bit of a shrewd operator within kind of football circles. But he mentioned that that Fafana deal, obviously, the, you know, the chances of Fafana still being with us next year are, are pretty much nil. But he did say, interestingly, that what it will do is it will continue that relationship with Chelsea. And, you know, even if Fafana went back now... He'll have gone back a better player already for being under Vincent Company. I guess that is kind of a gives us a bit of hope in terms of, you know, Premier League clubs, bigger Premier League clubs are actually actively looking to send players to Burnley and work under Vincent Company. But also the fact that, you know, there is a feeling within the players that they will improve under Vincent.
2: Well, if I go back to the lone players. He had the biggest impact last season. You know, he, he brings in Taylor Harwood Bellis from Manchester City. I think uh, any anyone who's followed uh, followed Taylor's career, you know, he'd obviously very mixed with his loan spells. You know, he'd been over to Underlects, obviously with Vincent. He'd been at Blackburn, he'd been at Stoke, and been up and down. Mm-hmm. And he's he had an absolutely outstanding season. You know, so much so that another side, you know, pushing for uh, automatic promotion, I said we'll have a bit of that. And you know, h- I hope he gets his opportunity in the Premier League, whoever that that may be, with at some stage. Teller turned from a, He wasn't going to get a kick at Southampton, which looks an absolute ludicrous decision mm-hmm. on the face of things. Now, you know, Southampton were relegated. And Burnley turned Nathan Teller into a twenty million pound footballer, who's now with the champions elect in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. You know, under under the bright new, you know, bright new hope in terms of uh, you know managerial, uh, you know, sort of acumen in uh, in Xabi Alonso. But you know, it looks like he'll probably be Liverpool manager next year. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Matson. You know, so with the relationship with Chelsea. It had, you know, a decent spell with with uh, Coventry. Burnley turned him into a player that, again, one of the European giants, Dortmund, have said, "Yeah, we'll 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 have that." They can't afford him. You know, Chelsea want thirty million for a player that Burnley have developed. Dortmund can't afford him, but someone will, and he'll en- enhance his status even further in uh, in Germany. But uh, you know, there are a couple sort of, uh, you know. From uh, Derby who who's neither in nor there. You know, thank you very much for uh, for scoring against Rotherham. That was about the sum some total of it. But uh, <laughs> it's you know we've gone from in in the past. You know, you, you people like uh, Chalabar from Chelsea, obviously Patrick Bamford, who's you know who's just too busy crying or playing his piano or whatever that. Is. But uh, <laughs> uh, and D- Danny Danny Drinkwater, who on paper looked to looked to absolutely. Deal, but it was a absolute in the end. But you've gone from that sort of relationship <laughs> with Chelsea, where that you know your three loans there that were just an absolute unmitigated disaster, to now we've had Matson. Now it, it, the makings of a very good loan spell for Fafana, and Chelsea will be queuing up to give us, you know, an, an, another bright young hope, hopefully, you know, next season. Mm. Yeah. And
1: as Chris says there, Justin, it's it's kind of chalk and cheese from from kind of perhaps our previous relationships with with loan signings. I know kind of Sean Dice, you know, uh, often underutilised, shall we say? There was a guy from uh Spurs as well, was it George Eckendor? What he I can't remember who it was actually from Spurs.
2: GK GK Okudu.
1: That's the fella. That's the fella. Um yeah. You know, we were often accused of kind of getting these players, but not really using them. But you know, yeah. as Chris said, Matson has just won the Bundesliga Rookie of the Month for for January, having you know played five times and you know created two or three goals, Um an assist for uh, for Teller. Really interesting interview for for Claret's fans on the Bayer Leverkusen website with Teller in terms of what he's learned this year under Xabi Alonso and and the fact that he perhaps didn't track back enough to begin with, which kind of hampered his his playing time but you know we have we've literally kind of potentially turned you know talent that wasn't doing very much into upwards of 70 80 million quid with of talent have not we really mm. if you've kind of had the potential transfer fees to the 20 million leverkusen paid for um, for teller
0: yeah well it's not fair is it really if you think about it <laughs> you know we we've turned these players into players that we can no longer afford because we've made yeah, them exactly. so good um <laughs> Just, just it just leaves a bit of a bad taste in the mouth, really, doesn't it? But I mean, you're right. It does what it does show is is that um, that somebody in the in in the scheme of things at Turf Moor is able to identify these players who might be underperforming somewhere, sees something in them that that the coaching staff at the club can get something out of, brings them in, works with them, and then, you know, I mean, obviously it's a, it's hit and miss but it always will be won't it it will be a it will be a situation where sometimes it, it doesn't come off but you know it what they need to start doing is doing it turning some of the players that we actually own into 20 25 30 million pound players um and then we will we can reap the benefit of that but yeah i mean it's it's a good sign isn't it that these players who've who spent the time with us are, are going on to bigger and better things it, it, it can't be a bad thing, apart from the fact that, you know, we can no longer afford them and bring them back. I mean, I think in that same interview, Matt Williams did sort of, he was asked by somebody from the, um on, on, on the text, a fan, why we didn't sign those three players. And he did go through the explanation. Not much that we didn't know about before. Uh, you know, Chelsea wanted to hold on to Matts and see how he developed over the summer and see what they wanted to do with him by the time we did a deal he didn't want to come and he saw the things going on and uh, and and the other two were basically they wanted too much money for them and we we didn't feel like they were good value um you know all all fair enough you know at, at that time we were all really disappointed because it was a team that we loved but um you know you've got a You've you've got to trust the judgment of the of the people who are who are in charge, and uh, hasn't quite panned out how they expected. I wouldn't have thought, and now it looks like um, you know they made a mistake there. But you know, if if, if they can apply that same kind of um, um, model to to the players that we've got permanently, and uh, you know, generate some revenue that way, then it's that's all good. And the signs are there that they're well capable of doing that.
1: Yeah. And Woody, I mean, it it is easier to to recruit in the championship. I mean, the the uh, mission to Burnley documentary kind of showed Vincent Company saying that, didn't he? Look, we bought Foster mm-hmm. for the Premiership because it's much cheaper to buy when you're in the championship than when you're in the the glare of the Premier League. Um you know, you, you would kind of expect that if we were to go down and we were to then kind of build for the 25, 26 season in the Premier League, having had another season in the Championship, that, you know, we'd be as shrewd with his recruitment early doors as we were with someone like Foster. I mean, Brentford this week have just signed Igo Tiago from, um, from one of the Belgian clubs for. Mm-hmm. But- Thirty million. Now a lot's obviously been made about how much we've spent on transfer fees, and we won't get Chris to tally it up because we know his <laughs> abacus doesn't always come out true with the transfer. That was from
2: it comes from Sky. Though. I think they're pretty reliable, aren't they? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but I mean, it just shows you the level now, doesn't it? If Brentford are paying thirty million quid, kind of you know pre-contract to to get a player for for the summer no matter how much we spent collectively, we're still a fairly small fish in a big pond, aren't we?
3: Oh, we are. I mean, it's that 120 was just to get something approaching a squad. It's not just trying to top up two or three players to take you to a, a different level. It's trying to rebuild the squad again. And this is the only thing about this, you know, kind of current model where we're bringing in quite a lot of low knees, and then we know that they're going to move on. And then if we wind up in a different division the year after, there could be a little bit of a fire sale. And it's you know almost a wholesale re- rebuild. And we could see that again if we go mm-hmm. down, et cetera. And in a way, it's kind of exciting. And you'd like to think that the you know after two tries at doing it, they'll start to get it a little bit more right. Um, but that seems to be the way it is. I mean, we may we may get Taylor or Wood back back. You never know. But it's yeah, it be it be interesting to see who stays, who goes, and how much we spunk on a, a League One keeper.
2: <laughs> I know we've got all
1: the way through the podcast no. without mentioning James Trafford there, but, uh, um, but I mean, Chris, in terms of the transfer market, I mean, a, a quiet January by, by Premier League standards in terms of both money spent mm-hmm. and number of deals done, Um, you would expect, I mean, Matt, Matt kind of alluded to the fact that, look, you know, we've got two plans, one for if we stay in the Premier League, one for if we, we go down, Um. You'd kind of expect that that plan would be meticulously thought out, as most of stuff looks to be under Vincent Company in the recruitment team. Um, I mean, this, the the areas for concern still remain the same, though, don't they? Do you think it's easier in the Championship to to pick up a left back, to pick up a centre midfielder who's going to get you box to box, than it is in the Premier League, and and certainly is in January in the Premier League when you're in the bottom three? Well,
2: it's, again, it, well, it depends what's 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 been done elsewhere by those that could afford you know more expensive players and more expensive wages? I mean, I look at you know left back. We're talking about a, you know a relationship with Chelsea, and you look at Lewis Hall, who's gone to Newcastle. barely on a kick, Dan Burns getting hammered every week, getting you know getting you know rather cruelly you know, abused by you know his his own. You know he's from up there, isn't he? He's like his hometown club's fans, having been a. A major player in the the sort of changing fortunes, but uh, Lewis Hall would have been a great, you know, a great mm. one to come and have a season. You know, just, you, you can almost say to him, right, you're pretty much guaranteed first choice. You're going to play every week, and he would have had a better season than he would have done sitting on Newcastle's bench or in the stander wherever he's been. Mm. But uh, it's just it's bizarre, isn't it? But I, I think coming down last time, I think we all knew, obviously, Tarkey was off. At the end of his contract, I think there was a hope Ben Mee might stop. But obviously, you know there was Premier League interest, and he was going to stay in the Premier League. Dwight was always going to go. He ain't, he ain't holding on to that sort of level of talent. Collins again, you, you know, you probably thought it was going to be a tough ass to hold on to him. Popey, not a not a cat in hell's chance. <laughs> and, the, and 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 Cornet, etc. But this time, it's probably the question is. Who well, the Premier League clubs? I, I think Matt Matt called the Vultures, didn't he? But who are the you know the Vultures going to come for? That's Colliosho mm. Koliosho's, you know he's it's a relatively small sample size. You know he's he's had a fabulous you know fabulous little account of his ability. Is someone going to take a punt on him? Or the bear, similar? Has he done enough to sort of you know warrant someone taking a and it would be a gamble because he'd cost more than. Mm. You know the whatever ten million pounds or so that purportedly we we paid. Uh, see, I think you know I'm I'm doing it to me. He's shown flashes and he's shown you know he's got great ability. Someone going to spend, you know, give give us a profit on him. Trafford, yeah. likewise. So, oh, Shea might be one. You know, that might you know sneakily someone might have a punch on him. You know, it's uh, mm. it, it's, it's, it's it's probably not as clear cut in that regard, and it might drag on as yeah. a result. And leave you, you know, a, you know, a bit less, a bit less certain about what, uh, what direction you may be able to take.
1: Mm. Yeah, and just, think, I mean, that, that, I mean, you know, before any kind of major incomings, they will have to be outgoings. That's the nature mm. of the business we're, we're we're running at Burnley, I guess. But I mean, Chris is right. I mean, there's Premier League sometimes do have that, or Premier League clubs sometimes have that. I don't know that almost. Even if a player like Audubon has only played, you know, 35 times or whatever, or 25 times, whatever it'll end up being, you know, the odd flash is kind of like enough sometimes to tempt a Premier League club. But it's not always good for the player, is it? Because they get snapped up by maybe a West Ham or a a Wolves or whatever. But then they don't get played, you know. So they've gone Mm. from playing week in, week out in the Premier League and showing flashes to these clubs almost. These kind of like middle league clubs stockpiling these players so other teams can't have them. You know, mm-hmm. they know Burnley will will sell and they think, well, actually, yeah. you know what, if we pay 15 million for for bar and Burnley make a five million profit, a it's good business for Burnley Football Club because they've made 50% on a player, profit on a player, and B, we get them in case that actually, you know what, we we can start to blood them in a little bit more. You know, um, you know, um, a, a kind of slower pace, shall we say, but you do wonder who the vultures would be for, for a lot of the Burnley squad, don't you? Uh,
0: well, absolutely. I mean, that as Chris said, it was very obvious that the players that did go were the ones that were going to go and they were going to go for decent money as well. Um, and and all of them, I think, apart from possibly Corne, um, who has. Has been just as injury prone as he was when he was with us. Obviously, a talented player with lots to offer, but if he's not on the pitch, he can't do much, can he? Um, I think all the others have had, have had, you know, good times with the clubs that they've had and contributed a lot, haven't they? Uh, obviously, um, we we are now in a position where we've packed the squad full of young, unproven players. And all they've proved this season is that they're not up to playing in the Premier League yet, at least. Yeah. So it seems to me uh, fanciful to suggest that any of them are going to go for decent money. Um, I mean, we paid decent money for a lot of them. Is any? I mean, I I don't know that uh, that the 19 million pound that we set, supposedly paid for James Trafford is is accurate. If it is. Uh, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't take a genius to work out that literally nobody in any division is going to pay anywhere near that for him now. Especially if we go down, um, whether he wants to go or not. You know, it doesn't matter, does it? Nobody's going to. We're not going to get that money back. I'm doing it likewise. I, I think we paid a decent sum for him as well. I don't think. I don't think. I, I think the. I think when it comes to Bear and Coliochio, uh, I think we're still looking at raw potential there. uh that they've shown that they've got that raw potential but they've they they haven't necessarily shown yet that the, that that potential can be turned into you know a, a player that can regularly contribute you know goals and assists. I think Bear's probably done a little bit more on that front than Kolocho did. Kolocho was very uh, direct, really quick, caused defenses a lot of problems but th- there wasn't a lot of product at the end of it was it. That that obviously will come with with time. Um, to be honest with you, I hope that we hold on to these players. I hope I hope that we can. If we do go, I remember talk, talking to a friend of mine who happens to be um, a Blackburn Rovers player who was gloating about the fact that they looked like we were going to go down to the to the you know, towards the end of Sean Dyche's era and I, and I, I was saying well it, it might be a good thing for us because we can we can you know we've got we've got owners now who, who seem uh willing to invest we can we can refresh the squad invest in some players give them some experience in the championship which is a little bit more forgiving you know in terms of the levels in terms of the scrutiny in terms of the number of games you've got you know it's not quite as you know you, you, it's it's um there's more time to recover if you, if you mess things up. And I sort of feel like we're a little bit in, that, in a, a similar sort of position. We're not going to generate a lot of money from transfers, so we're not going to be spending another £100 million in the summer. But if we can hang on to these players who've shown this potential, draw, draw them back from this limelight, give James Trafford a season in the Championship, give an Osho and, and Give the, these players will be, will be stars in the Championship. And if we if we do get that spark, if we do manage to pull this thing together, and have a season like we did last season, you know, um, they will benefit enormously from that experience. If we can get ourselves back into the Premier League, and, and we'll be, you know, much much closer to the finished article than they are now.
1: Yeah, definitely. And Woody, just just finally, just to kind of spin um, something um, Justin said on its head about the players <laughs> proving that they're not they're not good enough. At this level yet, and I fully buy into that. I wonder whether if you take individuals out of this team and put them into another team, it is what I'm saying. Is, is the problem mm-hmm. collectively as a team they're not good enough yet, or is it individuals not good enough yet? And you know, I, I might be kind of asking the same question in two different ways, but I I wonder whether mm-hmm. some Premier League clubs might go well. Actually, him in our system. Mm-hmm. With more experienced players around them, perhaps gives them a better chance of success. I wonder whether we're perhaps stopping their success by throwing lots of them into the team together and basically saying sink or swim. And at the minute, they're you know doggy paddling for their lives.
3: I think that's exactly right, and I think there's probably a good case for quite a few of them, um, who could fit in to other. Systems as backup, etc., and they'll pay a reasonable amount for that. I can see Sanderberg being wanted by somebody in the bottom, the bottom half at least, because he's improved markedly over this year. And you know the likes of Oderbeer, um Yeah, I can see he probably needs a, another season in the championship. But if people, you know, if bigger clubs have seen something in him, then they're going to loan him out. They're going to get him now when he's cheaper as opposed to him being the full deal and they, they can loan him back to the championship et cetera et etc so I can i I can I can definitely see that and I think you're probably right in terms of the fact that they got thrown together and they maybe sank a little bit more than they swam um which is understandable it's understandable
1: yeah definitely um well we were positive for most of that I think weren't we given so. given, given, given some some episodes i think that's quite mm-hmm. positive so let's end it there don't forget you've missed your chance to buy your loved one uh, a from the bln t-shirt for valentine's day but easter is coming up and nothing nothing says <laughs> <to his> happy <laughs> easter quite like from the bln t-shirt um they are still available from our web shop at shop.fromthebln.com um the designs that we've got at the minute are will rotate so if you do fancy a uh, a 99% misery T-shirt in, uh, in, <laughs> in our very own Justin Connolly. And why wouldn't you when you sat in the Bob Lode stand? Uh, head to the <laughs> web shop now and uh, and get those. And um, Don't forget you can follow us on social media. We're at Be Whole podcast. And don't forget to rate, like, share, uh, tell your friends, do everything you can to kind of keep pushing us up those uh, those charts. Thanks to everyone who voted on Twitter in the best Burnley podcast. Uh, poll that went out the other day, I think uh, we were quite clear that everyone should listen to everyone's podcast because it's a brilliant little ecosystem that we've got uh, around everything to do with Burnley Football Club. So um, a big shout out to our friends and rivals, No Never and Turfcast, for, uh, for their contributions to this ecosystem. Um, we'll be back on Monday with, hopefully, uh, a second consecutive positive debrief. Um, certainly we'll try and find the positives whatever happens, Uh, until then enjoy the rest of your week, enjoy your weekend and up the clarets